0: what we're going to talk about if you're taking some notes down um, you might want to write this down if I were and you can fill that question in if I were what what would you do if if you had the chance to be anything if you had the chance to be anyone if I were it's a great question to ask ourselves this is great verse in Galatians chapter 3 verse 28 It says, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ, Jesus. You're all one in Jesus. Jesus now brings us all together. He's the great leveler. He makes us all common. We are all the same, all equal, all valuable. Yet why do we look around the world and we still see rich and poor? We still see male and female, don't we? Don't ask the males that question. They wouldn't have a clue. Ask the females. There's still a disparity between males and females, isn't there, girls? You're allowed to say yes. I'm, I'm helping you. I'm asking the question as a male, helping you to answer that question because most of us guys think that everything is equal and it's not. Come on, girls, shake your head. It's not, is it? It's not equal. It's not equal in business. It's not equal in the church. But it should be because we should be leading the way. I remember years ago going to... Um, the general manager and asking why my wife and i who were on the exact same position title were being paid different salaries yeah yeah it d- didn't go very well so it just shows that we're not it's, there's not equal we're, and we need we've got a lot of things we've got to do to change those things we've got to be equal in the home we've got to be equal in society um there's you know if, if only i was if only i was more australian Right? There's a whole lot of, what I love about this church is the multicultural aspect of it, and you could easily think, potentially, as, a, as someone who was, I mean, how many of you were born in Australia? Put up your hand if you were born in Australia, okay, right, go the other way, outside of Australia, born outside of Australia. See, you might, you might easily start to think, if only I was born in Australia, if I were born in Australia, my life would have been easier. That could be the, that could be the case for some of us. I was born in Australia. My parents were born in Australia. In fact, if you look up the first fleet in Australia and look up the manuscript of the first and third boats that came into Australia from England, you'll see Thomas Abel and Mary Abel. And we didn't come in as good people. We came in as convicts. So that's, that's my ancestry. Uh, if, if only I were not a slave if I were not a convict, if my family background were not a convict. We could ask, we could be wondering all these things all the time, right? If, if only I were taller, if only I were shorter, if only I were thinner, larger, like, you know, you, when, you, when, you, when you're young, you want to be older. If only I was older. When you get older, you, if only I was younger. True story. I was uh, in my early 20s, uh, before I got married, just dating Julia, I applied to become a flight attendant in, in, in Australia um, with an organization that no longer flies planes in Australia. That's how long ago it was. It was ANSET Australia. I, I applied to be a flight attendant, and I was declined. I was knocked back. Do you know why? I was too tall. I was too tall. In my early 20s, I was too tall because the planes weren't, like, real big back then. So I was knocked back. Years later, I find myself walking on a plane, and my I've I got to duck sometimes when I'm walking down the plane with the um, little signs that are in the ceilings, I've got to duck to get under them, and I've been on planes before, and I've seen flight attendants who are like four foot nothing asking me for help because they can't even reach the baggage compartment. I'm like, you're not getting any help from me. You said no all those years ago. I don't, I don't, but it's what I want to do. It's what I want to say. But so if only I was taller, if only I was shorter, if only you know all these if i were if i were if i were all these different situations do you remember that song years ago if i were a wiggly worm remember that i thank you lord that i could squirm yeah yeah if i were a fuzzy wuzzy bear i thank you lord for my fuzzy wuzzy hair i just thank you lord for making me me it's so many times we want to be what we're not if I were if I were something else, someone else, if only I could be different. Um, in the animal kingdom, this is interesting, if, you were, if I were a praying mantis in the animal kingdom, it would be socially acceptable to devour my mates. <sighs> just pull them limb from limb. If I were a honey badger, I'd have no regard for other animals and I'd just kill them. If I were a panda bear with twins, I could keep one and I could get rid of the other but we can't do that as humans. Why do we get in trouble if we do that as humans? We'd be locked up if we treated people like that, if we discarded an infant, or if we tore our friends limb from limb, or we just ate people. Why? Why is it so different for us when no one has an issue with the animal kingdom doing that? It's because we are set apart as different. Humans are different from all creation because we are like God. We've been made in his image. So we are to treat all other humans with the same value and dignity, which is why there shouldn't be male and female, rich and poor, those that are getting ahead and those that are being left behind because in Christ, we all become one. I don't know of any place in all the world that should be like the church where you can sit next to people that are completely different to you that you wouldn't normally hang out with outside of the church facility. This is the place, a safe place, where all different people can come and congregate together. But it seems that human nature wants to take advantage of other people in their weaknesses, their vulnerabilities, and their weaknesses. Why don't we put down here, um, one of the things that we say in Convoy of Hope, our mission is to bend the heart of the church towards the poor, vulnerable, and marginalized. So let's write that down there. The poor, marginalized, it's always hard to spell when you're talking, and the vulnerable. We want to bend the heart of people towards the poor, marginalized, and vulnerable, not leave them behind. But stop. Take notice of these ones. They should stand out to us. If, if I, if, when I was at school, if only I were cool. Because I got bullied in school. You wouldn't believe it. I was so short in school. I was below average height. I didn't shoot up until after I finished year 12. So I was pushed around a lot. I was a skinny, even skinnier. I was a skinny, weedy, little, tiny kid. And And I used to always think at school, if only I were taller, if only I were muscly, if only I were bigger. And it took me a long time to start to realize, I'm just glad that you made me me. And so you might have been marginalized or vulnerable or maybe poor or maybe you still are in these types of categories you feel marginalized you can talk to uh, black people asian people all different race people in australia and some of them still suffer marginalization they still walk into shops and people look at them differently maybe you experience that i've had friends of all different types of colors and backgrounds i've got a good friend as a doctor he's an indian i've got um, a great friend who is black from English, got a beautiful thick English accent, Philip, got all these different friends. And so for me, it's it's just, we just hang out. But I start to realize that they experience being marginalized or vulnerable. I've felt vulnerable, grown up that kind of way. So the people seem to take advantage of other people's in their, whether they're poor, marginalized or vulnerable. And this is why the Bible talks a lot about justice and righteousness, specifically about how we should treat the poor the vulnerable and the marginalized in our society the bible has a lot to say about how we treat one another and especially how we treat people who are on the outside of the cool circle you ever been in those settings those parties or those gatherings and you're kind of all hanging out together and there's always that one person that kind of can't get into the circle Well, the Bible says a lot about how we should be the types of people that include those people, that we bring those people in, that we break out, make a gap, and say, hey, come on in. Nuno, come and hang out with us. It wouldn't be that way. It'd be more Nuno making a gap for me to come into the circle. But we should be doing that. We don't leave people out. We don't go, well, it took me years to get into the inside circle, so I'm not going to take any opportunity to ruin that, you know. No, we we include people. As we read the Scriptures, I'm going to read... I want to read four scriptures for you, and I want you to think about the difference between, if you've read anything in the Bible, especially in the new part of the Bible, the New Testament, think about the the difference between Jesus and the Pharisees. The Pharisees were these religious leaders who were kind of the pastors. They were like in charge of the church back in that day, right? So they were the religious leaders, and Jesus comes along, And he he acted differently. He treated people differently. And if you know anything about the difference between the way Jesus functioned and the Pharisees functioned, think about who this represents most as I read them. Here's the first one. Proverbs 31, verse eight and nine. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. Question. Was that the Pharisees? Did they act like that? Was that, would you think that's how, the Pharisees were, or would you think that's how Jesus was? Next one, Jeremiah 22, verse 3. This is what the Lord says Be fair minded and just. Do what is right. Help those who have been robbed. Rescue them from their oppressors. Quit your evil deeds. Do not mistreat foreigners, orphans, and widows. Stop murdering the innocent. When you read that verse, do you think, Oh, that sounds like the Pharisees? Or do you think, No, that sounds like Jesus? Think about that as you read through the scriptures. Psalm 146, verse seven. He gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. Is that the Pharisees or is that Jesus? The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. The Lord loves the godly. The Lord protects the foreigners among us. He cares for the orphan and widows, but he frustrates the plans of the wicked. We're meant to be looking after the poor, the marginalized and the vulnerable. The question is, Was that what the Pharisees were always doing? Religious leaders, people who went to church often and got their Sunday service tick off? Or was that Jesus? What about this one in Micah 6 verse 8? No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. The question has to be asked. Was that the religious leaders of the day? Was that synonymous with them? Or was that more what Jesus was like? And was there a big difference between the way the Pharisees lived in that day and the way Jesus lived in that day? Because what we need to be asking today is how do we live? Do we look more like the Pharisees and the church leaders back then? Or do we look more like Jesus? After all these prophets said, all these verses which was hundreds of years before Jesus even arrived. And don't forget, God is like Jesus, exactly like Jesus. He's always been like Jesus. Then we get to Luke chapter 4. And Jesus has been out in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. He comes back full of the Holy Spirit and power. And if you pick it up in verse 14, let me just summarize it. Luke 14, Jesus is. um, He gets to Nazareth, which is his little hometown where he grew up and he goes in on the sabbath to the synagogue and because he's a rabbi he's not just a jewish person he's not just a disciple he's actually a rabbi who's allowed to have disciples and so because he's a rabbi he's the one that's allowed to get up and speak to everyone And so they hand him the 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 scroll because they didn't have bibles like we have with chapters and verses they had these scrolls that you had to unroll to find the verses you wanted to read so they hand him the scroll of the prophet isaiah and he comes up in front of everybody and he opens it up to where it is written and this is what he reads the spirit of the lord is upon me because the lord has anointed me to heal the broken heart and set the captives free and he goes on and then he sits back down and everyone's looking at him like why didn't you finish the reading What are you doing? He just got up and he read it and then he sits down. And then he says to everyone, today this scripture is fulfilled. All these verses we've just been reading about the Messiah, about the one who is to come. And he says, I am he. And he's the one that lived that way. Before he read that, that's what he was doing, looking after the poor, the marginalized, the vulnerable. That's what he did. That's the kind of life he lived. And it's what created so much tension back then because the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the wouldn't sees and the couldn't sees were all the types of people that were trying to keep those people out. In fact, if you were poor, you couldn't afford the offering to make you go from unclean to clean, which means you weren't allowed into church today. And Jesus broke all those customs and those rules because he said, my father is always about looking out for these ones. If I were. So when you're at the bottom of the pile, your life's cry is, If I were rich. You don't need to have a lot. I just don't want to be poor and be excluded. If I had more than I have, I could go to church. If I were included, if I were not marginalized, if I were on the inside. And we live in a world right now where there are plenty of people. Even in Australia, we live our life every day with people around us who are poor, marginalized. And vulnerable. Nuno was telling me about the feeding program you do down at Maddow High, which is the next suburb over from where our kids grew up in the eastern suburbs. And you're feeding kids every morning at school. Why? Because a whole lot of them don't come to, don't come to school with food in their tummy. You're doing what Jesus would do if he was here right now. But we can do it in our own lives, not just the church does it. No, we all do it. We can do it in our grocery lines. We can do it when we're filling up with fuel. We can do it when we're walking down our street. I walked down this morning to Grumpy's Baker to get a coffee. We can do it anywhere we are. Be mindful of who is around us and be looking. God, who do you want to include? Who do you want to bring back? Who are you trying to help? Who are you trying to lift up? Always answering those types of questions because this is what God wants us to do. It's good news to the poor healing for the brokenhearted, sight for the blind, freedom for prisoners, favor for all. Isn't it beautiful? It's good news if you fall into those categories. Sometimes we can, I don't know, maybe get too comfortable and think I'm okay because I've got everything I need and not realize that the only thing I really need is him. I need him. I find this interesting so when Jesus is growing up he's a rabbi his cousin John the Baptist was out baptizing people in the Jordan and so John the Baptist had disciples because John was a prophet and a rabbi he had disciples and followers and now Jesus is grown up and he also as a rabbi has disciples followers. Well, there's this funny passage, only a couple of chapters. It's like a few days later after we just read that in Luke 4. The disciples of John the Baptist told John about everything Jesus was doing. Try and follow this for a second. The disciples of John the Baptist tell Jesus... Sorry, the disciples of John the Baptist tell John about everything Jesus was doing. What was he doing? What was Jesus doing? What was his day-to-day activity? When he wasn't in the synagogue, he was helping the poor the marginalized, and the vulnerable. So the disciples of John the Baptist told John, this is what Jesus is doing every day. And you think that's, like if we just read all those Old Testament verses, that's what we're meant to be doing. But look how messed up things got So John calls for two of his disciples and he sends them to Jesus to ask him, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? Why is John the Baptist asking that question? Because all he's hearing from his followers is that Jesus is walking around doing good. He mustn't be the Messiah because if the Messiah was truly here, he would overthrow the Roman emperor and the government of the time and we'd all be free from slavery to the Romans. It wouldn't look like this. We wouldn't just be being nice people. We'd be protesting. We'd be trying to stop COVID. We'd be trying to make sure things change. That's what we do as Christians, right? Apparently not. Apparently not. Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? John's two disciples found Jesus and said to him, John the Baptist sent us to ask, are you the Messiah we've been waiting for, or should we keep looking for someone else? And at that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, illnesses, and evil spirits, and he restored sight to many who were blind, which is all these verses we just read a moment ago. Then he told John's disciples, go back to John and tell him what you have seen And heard but that's what got us into trouble the first time we went and told John everything we've been hearing and seeing and he sent us to ask you are you really the Messiah he said go back and tell John what you're seeing go back and say what you've seen and heard the blind see the lame walk those with leprosy are cured the deaf hear the dead are raised to life and the good news is being preached to the poor all these things are happening Jesus is trying to show us by the way he lived every day what we're meant to be doing as kingdom people. This is what we're meant to be doing. When you look up that passage in Luke chapter 4 about the Spirit of the Lord being upon us, if you cross-reference that in the Bible with other verses that match it, it pulls up a few. We've read one of them. There's another one it pulls up, which is Isaiah chapter 11. It says, out of the stump of David's family, David was King David who wrote most of the book of Psalms. There's 150 Psalms, he wrote most of them. Out of the stump of David, meaning that David's life looked like it ended, it's a stump, but out of that will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root and the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, which is what Jesus read when he stands up in the church and says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is the cross-reference, Old Testament, right? This is what makes sense. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel, might, spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. Have you ever, you guys ever seen, you know the menorah? Anyone ever heard of the menorah? The menorah is this giant candelabra, which is, in the Old Testament, um, there's this, you, you would have heard of the, one here in the middle so so you would have heard of the, the 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 tabernacle the tent of meeting which is where the old testament israelites journeyed around everywhere and when they set up church you guys have got a beautiful building well in the old time in the old days They had this tent that they set up, and it was all beautifully created to make it reflect the Garden of Eden. Everything was about God restoring what was broken and what was lost. Everything from Eden, we got kicked out. Humans got kicked out of the Garden. We weren't allowed to touch the Tree of Life because we ate from the Tree of the Knowledge of Good and Evil. And then the rest of the Bible story is about God trying to restore and redeem and reconcile all mankind so that the tabernacle was built, and on the inside it had all this beautiful, ornate... um, pure gold, leaves and flowers and all different things to reflect the Garden of Eden. Well inside as you walked into the temple, on the left I think it was, there was the um, table of showbread and on the right was this giant menorah and it was a candle and it had seven flames on it and the seven candles were meant to always be burning, the light was always meant to be on. You can see where we're going with this right, the light is always on and now We're the light of the world. We're always on. But what's fascinating about this menorah is that it's cross-referenced here. We've got wisdom, understanding, and counsel. Wisdom, understanding, counsel. What were some of the other words there? The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of counsel, uh, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord, which you could say trust, the spirit of trust. The, the center candle was the one that was used to light the other candles. And so this one's called the servant candle. And Jesus is the servant. He's the servant candle. So he's the one that serves through wisdom and understanding and through counsel and through might and knowledge and trust. So this, this servant-hearted way that we utilize the gifts of the spirit that God gives us. So the spirit of the Lord is upon him, the spirit of wisdom. So when we go about our everyday life, what's meant to happen is that through service, we bring wisdom. We don't spout off knowledge. We don't, we don't try to make it look like we know everything. We only use our knowledge in a way that is servant-hearted. Sadly, over the years, what has happened is that many of us who get the microphone up here It's become a little bit of a show and so power up here and we make it we demonstrate church life in such a way that it's very difficult for you to do what we do we're professionals your followers and there becomes a bigger gap between the clergy and the laity but it was never meant to be like that jesus didn't live like that he was down amongst i was going to walk off but we've got people online Um, but, but he's in amongst the people and he's serving the people and he's serving th- through, through, through power and through might. And so he would embrace people who were sick and he would heal those who were wounded. And he would serve with knowledge and with understanding. He'd never make you feel ashamed or embarrassed. He'd always help you and lift you and make you feel validated and valuable and with dignity. And that's what's meant to happen. If I were a servant. So Jesus, get this, Jesus, who is God comes to earth, empties himself of his glory, it says in Philippians chapter two. He he he, he gets he, he's fully God, but he, he leaves his position and everything that makes him God. He empties himself and he comes to earth to be like the ones he created. So he, so now he looks like us. And he walks and he lives like us. And we don't read in the Bible about him taking naps and getting tired and going to the bathroom and all those stuff we just get the highlights right we just get the highlights but he was every way like you every way like you but fully God but he emptied himself of all of his glory all of his divinity all of his like supernaturalness and he confined himself to being like us to show us how to live and he was different to religious leaders he was different to the church leaders of the day. He was different to people who walked around with their nose up high and looking down at people that couldn't get themselves out of the ditch. He didn't, he didn't treat people like that. He, he came as God. He came as God. He came as God and yet bent down. The, the, the culture must have been so weird back then that even the disciples of Jesus hadn't fully worked it out. Like they were not worthy to be disciples of the church leaders of the Pharisees. They weren't ever picked by those people, but Jesus picks them. Normally, what happens is a a Pharisee, a rabbi, picks you and says, "You follow me." And so Jesus picks people that are unqualified. They're like builders and guys that drive Utes and um, you know housewives and they, they, they. people that people hate like a tax collector someone who works for the government um like they were just all these strange random people and you can tell that they've been in a culture that still is the wrong way around because when Jesus is hanging out with some of these kids and blessing them the disciples scold the parents and say why are you bothering the teacher with these little kids because that was the culture of the day and Jesus says why are you talking to the parents like that let the children come to me because they belong to me Everything Jesus, if you want to find out what God is like, find out what Jesus was like, because God is exactly like Jesus. Always like Jesus. Which is why when you get down to the end here, oh let me read this. This is a this is a challenge, this verse. You know that I highlight my Bible and I write in, I've got a pen that's always in my Bible. There are some verses that I would like to take a black and just not be able to read it again because they're challenging, right? Those verses, you know, where there's sometimes you read the Bible and there's other times the Bible reads you. So here's the question. Are we doing what Jesus would be doing or have we made it about something else? If I were a Christian, Amos chapter 5, I can't stand your religious meetings. This is God speaking through the prophet to the Israelites I can't stand your religious meetings I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions I want nothing to do with your religious projects your pretentious slogans and goals I'm sick of your fundraising schemes your public relations and image making social media we could put there in brackets I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music when was the last time you sang to me do you know what I want I want justice oceans of it I want fairness rivers of it that's what I want that's all I want. You know, it's possible to get church so right and miss everything God wants us to do. Jules and I ran the largest church in the history of Australia, Hillsong Church. It is take it from me, it is possible to get the services and the ministries and the music and the staff. We had a thousand staff. 12,500 volunteers, 89 services, 117,000 people. It is possible to get everything right on a Sunday but if we don't get this right if we can't figure out how to be a servant in all these areas and get this right what I'm reading it doesn't matter that we get Sunday right it actually doesn't matter Sunday is important because we gather together to tell all the good stories that God has done every other day Church is not meant to be Sunday. Church is meant to be every day, including Sunday. So let's get Sunday right. And you guys are doing a great job of that. Even in the midst of coming out of COVID, I commend the way that you, you're like, we can't can't have a band yet. Let's put it on the screens. Great. Do what you can to do this. Get Sunday right. But don't neglect every other day. Why? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus said in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. What kind of light? Well, we don't have a way to describe it back then. So Jesus said, you're the light of the world. You're you're like a city on the top of a hill that you can't do anything about hiding. You're the light of the world. You're like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. You, as an individual, you, you are the light of the world. Everywhere you go, you are light. You're the light that's always on. And you light the world up by being a servant with all the, these different things. But the spirit of wisdom is on you. So when you find yourself in a situation and someone's confused... Because you're the light of the world, the spirit of understanding is on you to help that person not be confused anymore. If you're in a situation where you feel like just tomorrow at work, this afternoon at a cafe, wherever you are, if you find someone that is feeling weak and timid and vulnerable, well, the spirit of the Lord is upon you to be a servant to bring this might into them. If there's people that you run into this week in family or at dinner, and they're just feeling like they, that God has abandoned them and left them, you are the light of the world, which means the Spirit of God is in you to help them trust in God again. And the only way that's going to work is not by overpowering, not by being bigger than them and better than them, but by being a servant to them. It's how we change our world. We serve. We be like Jesus. Why? Because God is like Jesus. Exactly. Exactly like Jesus so let's finish this sentence if I were the light of the world the hungry would be fed the lonely would be connected the marginalized would be embraced if I were the light of the world naked would be clothed the poor would be included women would be empowered and people everywhere would be loved if I were the light of the world things would change Oh, 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 oh,